Welcome back, y'all, to the Killing with Kindness Crusade, a podcast for the brave, the strong, and the courageous. After I had poured my everything into this life, I found myself abandoned and estranged from everyone I'd ever known. I could not understand how this had happened, so I started searching. And what follows is what I discovered thus far on my walk through this life. Warning. Listening has been known to expose you to ideas and undeniable truths that have the ability to radically alter your perception of the world. What am I talking about? Your five senses. Sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. This is how we process information about the world we live in. This is the stuff with which we experience our lives. In honor of Thanksgiving this week, let me begin by giving some thanks. To the heroes of my life, the people who believe in me. Remarkable people. I'd also like to give thanks to a role model of mine. To a magnificent woman who has remained true to herself in an environment that did not make that easy. Her strength and fortitude and character and courage and the amount of wisdom she has contributed to this world are are incredible. The multitudes owe her a multitude of thank yous. It's the woman who wrote the words that swans hate the water and eagles can't fly and the sky is all green and the grass is all blue. Her name is Dolly Parton. And if you don't know who she is, you should. Take the time. Google it. Watch her documentary. They're available on several platforms. I've seen several. She had a podcast series done about her that she was a participant in. And you're just not going to find a cooler lady. One more authentic and sincere than that woman right there. In my most humble opinion. And should this podcast ever fall upon her ear, that would blow my mind. Wow. But you're my hero. Thank you for all that you did. Everything you've sacrificed. And the level of commitment you've shown. Wow. All right. Now. I don't know about you, maybe you've had beautiful weather year-round where you live, and that's all well and good. I'm glad for you. But that's just not the case where I'm at, and I'm okay with that. For instance, the temperature today maxed out at about 50 degrees, and it's been spitting snow and rain. And as soon as the night falls, I'm sure that will change over into freezing rain and a winter weather advisory. 
With the dawn, there could be more of the same, or the beauty and peacefulness of, a, of the Midwest that occurs when winter makes her presence known <laughs> in only her way. There's a calmness that descends over the world. Quiet. The birds, well, they've gotten wise and flown south to the milder climates, which leaves only the locals, the mountain lions, bobcats, coyotes, to prey upon the small game that remains through the harsh winter months. Mostly they feed on rabbit and field mouse. The only other prey animal around here is deer, which is a fairly large kill for any of those animals, but not for a man. So in order to maintain a healthy population of deer, we have a managed deer season, a period of two weeks in which the state encourages hunters to kill deer. The timing coincides with the natural rut season of the deer, which is a mating season. And that just so happens to be right now. During this time, when the animal's defenses are somewhat lowered by their need and the drive to procreate, um, we open fire. And the male deers, they're called bucks. They're known to fight to the death for the right to mate with a doe, a female deer. These are intense bouts of massive power and force being exerted by both animals. And if you doubt the intensity of witnessing such an event, I suggest you yeah, YouTube that crap. I know, because once upon a time, I lived with a guy who had a pet deer. He called him Dollar because he was a buck. This full-grown buck was impressive, especially when it decides decided one day to just charge at me full steam um, out of nowhere, and then to rear up on his back legs with his front hoofs just just inches from my face. I can remember I look up into the chest of this animal with its hooves, which are bigger than my spread hand, my hand spread out wide. And these hooves are like six inches from my forehead. So I juke and I dive and I, man, I disappeared. For just a split second, I wasn't even there. And next thing you knew it, I was standing on our porch. Somehow I had managed to, uh, escape that situation and my boyfriend who was in the yard at the time had done the only thing he could think to do with the only weapon he had available to him he chucked the frisbee which we had moments before been tossing back and forth just having a little fun uh with all his might and drilled dollar right in the throat uh as he reared up allowing me the opportunity i would imagine to escape otherwise i was a dead duck dude uh, that will definitely get your heart going. Effing scary, really. But that was a pet deer, and so that's like not a normal behavior. But it gives you an idea of what it would be like <coughs> to be the other deer. Anyways, I digress. Do, do, do. So wild deer are perfectly adapted for the life that they lead. I mean, they rely largely on instinct to survive. And this fight instinct possessed by the bugs during this time is nature's way of ensuring that the species has the ability to fight and that only the strongest and most fitted 
for survival will survive, aka survival of the fittest. Most of the year, though, deer are not aggressive. They primarily focus upon the meeting of their daily need for food, water, and shelter from the elements. Does model the behaviors that have allowed her to endure. And having produced the next generation, this is what they witness and rely upon and the experience that they gain. The deer will remain largely undercover of brush and wild growth during the day. And they only expose themselves to graze in the late afternoon and overnight. But at any point during the day, should they be alerted to the presence of the unknown through any of their five senses, they will behave in a predictable and consistent way. First, they freeze, meaning they stop what they're doing immediately. They become alert. Their eyes are wide and aware. Their ears are pricked up for any additional sounds or sights as they assess their survival threat. If they receive no additional alarming information, they will return to whatever they were doing previously. If they're alerted by an additional unknown or unfamiliar sound or sight, they will flee. They run, they bolt this way and that, and then all out sprint for cover. And they will continue to run for as long as a threat remains, or they exhaust their energy to the point that they are no longer able to run. But having removed themselves from the risk by fleeing, the animals will eventually return to their primary focus, the meeting of one of their needs, either finding food, water, or a place to rest safely. And so the process repeats again and again and again. These are the instincts that were given by nature. We can see them in other animals. Now, as a girl, I lived with my mom and dad and my sister on a farm in a very rural area of, of America. We were blessed with many things that others did not have. We were encouraged to try our best at whatever we endeavored and then provided with the opportunity to improve our skills in those things. Oftentimes, my dad was not around in the evenings, but I can recall a few occasions when he was, and these are some moments that I treasure. We had a screen porch off the kitchen of our two-story farmhouse. The view wasn't much during the day. Mostly the corn obscured the view in the peak times of summer when we would be out there. However, on particular nights when the conditions were just so, you could witness an awe-inspiring exhibit of the power of things unseen. A thunderstorm. Two opposing atmospheric conditions, invisible to the naked eye, battling for dominance in the vast open sky across the plains. At times, when the battle is still miles away on the horizon, the world begins to tingle with anticipation of the coming storm. If you pay attention, you might notice the hair on your arms feeling alive, trying to stand upon end. If you continued to examine with your senses, you would then catch the scent of rain. And long before you ever feel a drop, 
you will hear a gentle rumbling far off in the distance, thunder, the, the sound of which it is impossible for the eye not to be drawn to the sky in the distance for confirmation of that which you already know. It's getting closer. There can be no avoiding. You begin the worthwhile process of battering down the hatches. Anything that you don't want to blow away, you must secure from the impending barrage of unknown strength that shows no mercy to the careless. Then you find a seat and some shelter from the incoming elements and sit back and enjoy the show. All it takes is for one of my senses to be alerted to the threat of an impending storm and I am transported back in time to those moments of belonging, of being exactly where I should at exactly the right time to bear witness to one of the most spectacular shows on earth and to share that with my father. The treasures are not in the atmospheric or cultural conditions, but in the authenticity to oneself and your own experience. Our bodies are designed to take in information through the five senses. This is an old idea. I don't know whose it was, but they taught it, it to me in elementary school, right here in the heartland of, of good old U.S. of A. These five senses are sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. These are the tools nature provides for your survival. Our ability to master our response to information we receive through our senses can only be achieved by practice. First, you got to recognize that you are in fact being driven by one or more of nature's instincts. Then you must search for the cause of that response. Once you understand the cause, then you can make a decision based on your own assessment of the situation. Is it in your best interest to stop, run, or fight? What do you do if you're unable to do any of those things? You withdraw. Your body endures, but your true self disconnects disassociation. This is a last ditch effort by the brain to protect itself. When logic is useless and feelings or information from your senses are disregarded by all, including yourself, you are left with the only thing that remains absolute and universal truth. The truth is all that remains when we have exhausted all logical explanations and eliminated the confusion of our senses. When we have utilized our minds, logic and creativity to the utmost of their innate ability to root out the cause of our suffering and have found ourselves unable to come up with any more wild, crazy and far-fetched possibilities, we find that the truth is simple, it's beautiful, and it's obvious. Like Ray Charles could have seen this shit coming obvious. We may still choose to ignore and deny the existence of this truth, but it will remain the truth, independent of your belief in it. That is why it is a truth. It requires no prerequisite. It needs no validation of any kind, and still it never changes. In the aftermath of the Civil War, Jefferson Davis stated these truths which we have stood upon will rise again, for even a truth ground to dust will take root and rise. 
Truth could never be lost or destroyed. If it could, then it wasn't the truth in the first place. Anything dependent upon could never be the truth. If you must be this to achieve that, then nothing could ever be accomplished. You can be whatever you choose to be. You already are. Your actions define you, not your results. Act in such a way that no one, not even yourself, can make a case that you did not do everything within your power to live to the very best of your ability. Understand how precious you are. If not for everything before this moment, you could not be you. And you and you alone are perfectly outfitted for your by your experience to face whatever storms you may be facing. Never could another fill the shoes upon your feet, own them, and walk righteously, for they are yours and yours alone. Begin utilizing every experience at your disposal, every resource available to you at this moment, and with practice and persistence, you can and shall realize that which you most desire. What dominates your thoughts? Faith in yourself and faith in others? Or is it the more common fear of pain and suffering and disappointment in yourself and from others? Whichever you so choose, that is what you shall receive. In every circumstance you could ever find yourself, this will remain true. Whether you recognize your choice is irrelevant. You have and are, or excuse me, you are and have been choosing one way or the other all along. Now you have the gift of grace to make an informed decision and then to go about sowing and receiving that which you have chosen. Choose ignorance, judgment, and deceit, and you shall realize fear, failure, and suffering. If you should choose wisdom, and truth and understanding, then you would realize justice, peace, and serenity. It is entirely up to you. And there you have it. Another episode of Kill Em With Kindness Crusade. And I'll leave you with this, a beautiful quote by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. It says, close your eyes and prick your ears. And from the softest sound to the wildest noise, from the simplest tone to the highest of harmonies, from the violent, passionate scream to the gentlest words of sweet reason, it is by nature who speaks revealing her being, her power, her life, and her relatedness. So that a blind person, to whom the infinitely visible has been denied, can grasp the infinite vitality in what can be heard. Thanks for listening.